you're a writer who would like to start podcasting or a podcaster who wants to master the art and science of audio storytelling, I want to let you know about our Kasama Labs, where we pull back the curtain on our podcast production process and share how we became an award-winning podcast in the top 1% globally. And then we give you a complete tool set to create your own narrative podcast. You can sign up and find previews for all 16 modules at shelterinplacepodcast.org. This is Shelter in Place, a podcast about embracing the journey in a world forever changed. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. When I was eight years old, my mom signed me up for a dance class. I can't remember what the class was called or any of the songs we danced to. But what I do remember is that in a room with a dozen other preteen girls, I was the only one who couldn't seem to move. I felt silly swiveling my hips and shimmying my shoulders as I flipped my hair the way my teacher instructed us to. My teacher was a curvy woman who moved like water. My preteen body was all angles and bones, solid and strong after years of gymnastics and water skiing, but with none of the elastic fluidity that I sensed in my peers. I don't think it was my teacher's fault that I wasn't very good at dancing. No mean girl comments resurface when I think back on those hours. But the feeling of that class, of the awareness that my body was somehow lacking in something that should be innate, is one that still occasionally resurfaces today. This is not to say that I don't like dancing. I love dancing. My inability to learn moves quickly was probably the thing that kept me from being cast in the high school musical, but that didn't stop me from trying. Even faced with the awkwardness of middle school, I'd shake my booty at every school dance. Give me a wedding and chances are good I'll be one of the first on the dance floor. I've always enjoyed moving my body. In an episode earlier this season called Dancing Saved My Life, I told the story of my love affair with swing dancing. Some of my favorite moments with my kids are when we've been dancing around our living room. But more than 30 years after that dance class, I'm still occasionally transported back to the girl who felt silly in her own body. It's only a flicker now, one that I can usually push past. But still, it's there. So today, I'm talking with someone who I hope can help me move beyond that memory once and for all. My name is Adriana Oyarzun. I was born in Venezuela. I was raised in Miami and Venezuela. So I'm this mix of Latina, Cubanita, Mayamera, gringa. And I love dancing. Adriana grew up dancing. Not in lessons or classes, but just dancing as part of everyday life. In Latin America, music and dancing and community is just, it's part of it. It's not like, oh, you're going to learn how to dance. It's like, we all dance. You know, you go to Quince Años or like the Sweet 16 and we're all dancing merengue and salsa and we're all trying to learn it as we go. And, and you're just in community dancing. It's a big, 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 big part of who we are and where we come from. We just all dance. There's no right or wrong way to dance. You just dance. Everyone dances. When you get to start walking when you're six months to La Abuelita, that's a hundred is dancing. There's no expectation of like, you're a bad dancer, you're a good dancer, you're... No, you just dance. It's a plus if you're a good dancer, for sure. Pero it just is. 
Adriana is an amazing dancer. Watching her move is nothing short of inspiring. But she says it wasn't always that way. As a teenager, my dream was always to be like Janet Jackson's backup dancer. That was the coolest thing ever. And it's funny because I always tell my mom, why didn't you keep me in dance classes? Why didn't you foster that? And she was like, Adriana, you did your first dance recital for ballet. All the little girls were following the choreo and you were like a little lost. Like you didn't know the choreo. You were just doing what the girls were doing afterwards. I think I was really, really shy as a kid and just like super distracted. And so I was probably going to ballet class, not really learning the choreo and in like my own world. Adriana kept dancing anyway. She says that she doesn't have a lot of memories from those early childhood years in Venezuela or of the years that her family spent in Miami after her dad got a job there. What she does remember is that when she was 10, her parents got divorced. Her dad stayed in Miami, and her mom took Adriana and her siblings back to Venezuela. Which I say were the best years of my life. I think at that point we had a green card. So to keep it, we would have to fly to the States and spend technically six months in the States. And that's kind of how we also kept our language. We were speaking Spanish in Venezuela, and then we would come back to the States to spend summers and Christmases with my dad, and it was all in English. So I'm this mix, and I love the mix. I've lived pretty much half of my life in Latin America and half of my life in the States, which can also be a challenge. I am Latina, but sometimes for some Latina people, I'm not Latina enough. And then also trying to coexist in the Anglo culture. There's things that I don't get. Like I watch movies and I'm like, why is everyone laughing? Like I so don't get that joke. I'm like, no, pero que eso, que pasó? And I think more and more as time passes, it's cool to see more people like me where you were raised in a full-on Latino household where everyone was speaking Spanish and dinner was like rice and beans and comida cubana or arepa. But at the same time, you were going to school and everything was English and it's nice we're becoming more of the normal where there's more people having Spanglish conversations and feeling seen and like, yeah, I get you. Adriana remembers those years of living in Venezuela fondly, a time in her life when she was learning to embrace who she was through dancing in a brand new way. High school in Latin America is so much fun. It was honestly the best years. And when I say this, it was just like super innocent, genuine fun of going dancing, going to the beach, just this celebration of life. But the year before she graduated from high school in Venezuela, Hugo Chavez ran for president. Many Venezuelans thought that Chavez was a promising alternative to the corrupt two-party system that had ruled since 1958. But Adriana's dad was immediately suspicious of Chavez's close ties with Fidel Castro. And my dad, who is Cuban, who had to leave Cuba when he was 12, he knew what was coming. He said, if Chavez wins, you guys need to leave Venezuela. And we were like, no, 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 no. I was 18 and I was graduating. He was like, hey, just come for a year and practice your English. So I graduated high school. I came to the States. And then that year, Chavez won. And I haven't gone back. And that was 1999. Adriana and I are close to the same age. But like most American kids at that time, Latin American politics wasn't part of my education. Not until years later would I begin to understand just how many Venezuelans left their home because of Chavez and his increasingly radical politics. 
Even now, it's hard for me to imagine what it would be like to leave the country that I've called home all my life, never knowing when or if I'd be able to return. For the next couple of years, Adriana lived with her brother in Gainesville, Florida, where he was going to college at the time. She went to community college and started learning about photography. When her brother graduated, she decided to move back to Miami, where the rest of her family was living at the time. Miami is like this melting pot of people from everywhere around the world. And it was awesome, you know, it was like a little bit of Latin America and I got to find my people and I really got into photography at that point and I found this amazing teacher and she really kind of guided me. She was like, wow, you're really good. And it was a group of us where she kind of took us under her wing and she was pretty intense. It was like mini art school where there was harsh critiques and prints being like ripped off. It was intense. It was like, are you sure you're gonna put that picture there? Are you sure you're gonna print that? And you were like, but it was good. It was definitely a good foundation for art school. Adriana also found a group of friends in Miami who shared her ties to Venezuela. One night, they all went out dancing, and Adriana immediately noticed a tall guy on the dance floor. It was this big group of recently graduated kids that were from Venezuela, and a little Latino, a little Americano. And I say there's nothing sexier than a man that knows how to dance. And Ronald is like, oh, such a good dancer. And we started hanging out as a really big group. And it just kind of really slowly progressed. And, you know, he's a super awesome dude. I think having the same background with the Venezuelan culture and values, yet we have the experience of growing up in the States and having this ability to coexist within two worlds and really understand it. It was just like, I get you. He says arepa con queso and I get it, <laughs> you know? It's like we're able to speak and really understand each other. And he's a good dancer, which is amazing. Guys, if you're out there and you don't know how to dance, dancing is like key. I really think it is, guys, guys, guys. I always say to my friends who have boys, teach them how to dance. You don't know how this builds confidence, right? For a guy to be able to be in his body and move his hips and move and, you know, it's pretty amazing. Adriana got accepted to a prestigious art school in Oakland called California College of the Arts. She'd been moving around her whole life and she felt ready to jump into this new adventure. But this time, the decision to move didn't just affect her. You know, I think I've always been really independent. And I think seeing my mom go through like the crazy divorce and the whole thing, I've always been like, screw marriage. I don't believe in marriage. So when I got into art school, Ronald and I had been going out for like a few years. And I'm like, look, I got into art school, so I'm leaving to California. And he was like, what do you mean? But I want to go with you. And I was like, sure, to get a new bang. Like, if you want to come, come, dale. We had never been to California. And everyone was like, you're just moving? Like, you're moving to Oakland and you've never been there. And I'm like, yeah, dale, why not? Let's do this. And we moved to California, to Oakland in 2005. Even though she'd never been to California and it was a country away from her family in Florida, Adriana fell in love with the Bay Area. Its blend of cultures reminded her of herself. It was at that time when she was searching for that sense of home in California that Adriana realized that her greatest connection to home might be one that had been there all her life, no matter where she lived. As a photographer and as an artist, I've always explored the themes of home and displacement and identity and culture. 
So when I came to California, it was like this new life and this new way talking about art, making art, taking pictures, connecting to a community that was creating really cool stuff. There was these amazing professors like Larry Salton and Jim Goldberg, these rock star photographers that just being able to study with them was pretty impressive. It also brought up missing home. I think seeing my dad having to leave Cuba, me having to leave Venezuela, or seeing my mom, how even though we're so many miles away from where we were born, we try to recreate that with how we decorate our home, with our mannerisms, with what we eat and how we talk and how we express ourselves and how we move. Those tiny things that just give you clues of home and who you are. The farther away you are from home, the more you try to kind of embody that culture. There's this sense of really wanting to claim that identity. Like, this is who I am. I am Adriana, y yo soy cubana, y soy venezolana, y soy latina, y muevo las caderas. And that's who I am. Being really far from home and not having a community, it was like, what can I do that gives me a sense of home? Dancing and music has always been there. And I think dance and music and community makes me feel at home. I started going to the YMCA, taking Zumba classes, and I was like, yes, this feels so good. There's something that happens, especially because it's Latin music. I can close my eyes and it's kind of like being a little girl in my grandmother's backyard listening to Juan Luis Guerra. These are my roots. These are my values. And it had this amazing power where I could just show up to class, maybe not have had the best day, but the music would start playing and everything would transform and I just got to be in my body. It's amazing what moving your body and being able to just shut off your brain does. And I was able to like really, really experience the power of it. And the more I did it, I just got into it. So little by little, I started just going to these Zumba classes and showing up and just leaving so happy. It was at one of those Zumba classes that Adriana met someone who would play a crucial role in making California home. If you've been listening, then you've met her too. In our December 2021 episode, Dancing Saved My Life. Andrein and I actually met in a Zumba class. That's how we met. She came, she showed up, and she was like subbing. And I was like, oh, she's from Venezuela. Like I could recognize the Venezuelan accent. There's this weird thing that happens. Sometimes you're like, oh, you're from Venezuela. We're oh yeah, so we're friends. We're instantly friends. <laughs> Luckily in this case, we actually became really close friends. And then she started teaching and I would just like show up to her class and it was amazing. And we were able to create this really cool family with friends and community. And it became really important to create this friendship. And the more we were here, the more this became home. I'll be right back with more of this story right after a short message from one of our sponsors. Back in 2003, when I was in my 20s, I thought I might want to be a web designer. I took some night classes at the community college, learned HTML, and even got my first client. I learned how to create a website, but mostly I learned that that work was not for me. Fortunately today, if you need a website for your business, there are much easier options, like Pair Networks. That's Pair, P-A-I-R, like two. Not Pair like the fruit, by the way. Pair includes DIY website building tools with drag and drop editing, so anyone can do it. No community college required. They have 24-7 US-based customer support. 
Visit pair.com slash free and enter the code QUICKSTART to get your first month of website hosting for free. That's P-A-I-R dot slash free with the promo code QUICKSTART. Three years after coming to California, Adriana graduated from art school. She loved her life in Oakland, but as she started to look for jobs, she began to understand that her biggest barrier to feeling at home was one that she hadn't expected, herself. When I graduated from CCA, you know, it's like this prestigious art school and, you know, you graduate to become an artist. And I was petrified, like terrified of failing. And I graduated in 2008, so the economy was a disaster and it was not an ideal time. So I started doing bookkeeping and people were like, why aren't you doing photography? And the idea of putting work out there was terrifying, terrifying. So I didn't do it. I was just having these bookkeeping gigs and jobs. And by year two, I was like, I'm going insane. I need to do my own thing. I can't do this anymore. And then I got a job at a photo gallery as a bookkeeper. (laughs) I was in it, but not in it enough. Meanwhile, Ronald had his own ideas of what they needed to make California home. Ronald was always like, oh, we should have babies and the whole thing. And I was like, "Mm, buddy, I don't know. Like, I'm too young. I want to go get my master's. So we were actually in L.A. and it was Father's Day weekend. My close, close, close friend Andrea was married to my brother and they got pregnant. And she was like, I really think this baby needs to have a cousin that's close in age. So you need to get pregnant. And I'm like, Andrea, no. No, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna get pregnant, Ital. And then jokingly, she's like, I have a bunch of pregnancy tests at the house. You wanna take one? And I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. Just to like kind of play along, I'll take a pregnancy test. I take a pregnancy test, and she's like, you're pregnant. Y yo le digo, Andrea, you seriously peed on the stick? Like, what is this? Like, are you kidding me? And she's like, no, 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 I swear, I swear, you're pregnant. Y yo le digo, So then we go to the pharmacy and I said, no, no, I want like new ones, the ones that you haven't touched. And I remember buying two pregnancy tests and I took pregnancy tests at their house and I was freaking pregnant. And I was like, no lo puedo creer, which of course was like her biggest dream. And it was Father's Day and Ronald, of course, the extreme Venezuelan dude that he is, he was riding like motocross with his brother. So he comes to my brother's house And I'm like, I've got a gift for you. And he had been dying for us to have kids because he's like, I want to be young and I want to do a bunch of things. So I tell him and it was Father's Day and I think I was 30. And I remember having like a total nervous breakdown of like, I'm too young. I'm 30. What am I doing? No, no, no. I need more time without kids. Adriana had spent her life up to that point moving and embracing the mix of experiences and cultures that life threw at her. And so she embraced this one too. She was eight months pregnant and in a birth class when she learned that since she and Ronald weren't married, her parents, not Ronald, would be her primary contact if she had any complications. I'm like, Ronald, we need to get married. It was a very pragmatic choice. So we went to City Hall and then we got in the car and then we called our parents. Hey, adivina que acabamos de hacer. Guess what we just did? Oh, we got married. Ah, okay, coolísimo. Okay, like it was very unconventional. It's like, dale, let's go. This is happening. Okay, let's go. And now we have Mia. When Adriana was pregnant with her daughter Mia, Andrina was also pregnant. Their friendship continued as they became mothers, and as they grew up, their kids became friends too. 
we had this friendship where we really enjoyed dancing and we had kids at the same age. She also does photography, which is crazy. My mom worked in travel and her mom also worked in travel and it was just easy. It was just like, I get you, I see you, dancing is fun, let's keep on dancing. Years passed. Through all of those changes, they kept dancing. Meanwhile, Adriana was feeling more and more frustrated in her bookkeeping job and the photography that she wasn't pursuing. And then I got laid off from that job and I was dancing. I remember I was in Andreina's class and she said, well, I think you should just get certified and you should just do this Zumba thing. And I think she was pregnant. And she's like, yeah, just do my songs and you'll come and you'll sub for me and you'll be like my support because can't jump as high, which was a total lie. Andreina dancing pregnant is exactly the same as she dances right now. Then I started subbing for her and I started showing up and it was like, that was the highlight of my day. I would go to class and it felt like home and I got to make these friendships and it was just amazing. Adriana had a second child. While she was getting more comfortable teaching Zumba, she was also coming into her own as a photographer, finally building a business doing the work that she loved. And then one day in March of 2020, Andreina called her to ask a favor. When the pandemic hit, the world was about to shut down. And she was like, hey, can you help me live stream my class this Sunday? And Ronald being like super Mr. Techie guy, sure, yeah, we'll figure it out. We live streamed that first class. And after that, we were like, you want to do this tomorrow? Sure, let's do this tomorrow. It'll be like, what, three weeks? Kids will be back at school? Oh, yeah, it'll be like a vacation. You know, the world was going through such a big shift and no one knew what was happening. We were like in survival mode. We just had no idea what was happening or it felt like we were on this treadmill where like every day seemed like the same day and you had to like figure out homeschooling and how would you work and then the internet is down. We weren't leaving the house. And when I got to just turn on the computer and dance, there was no room for the chatter. Like I had to be present. I had to show up and I had to teach. Her and I would talk, you know, several times a day and she would be like, yeah, I was crying in my closet today. Oh yeah, I was crying in my room. And dance for us was that thing that brought us joy and just gave us a sense of calm. So then we started dancing every day, right? So we got to connect with people all around the world, which was the coolest. We kind of started donation-based, so it's like, yeah, just Venmo me and we'll teach. I know for me, it was the motivation I needed every day to be like, yeah, I'm going to be dealing with homeschooling and with having Ronald at home 24-7 and not being able to do my photography sessions, but I get to dance and connect to this community that we've created. And as time progressed, and people were like, oh, no, this is like the new way of life. We looked at ourselves and we were like, I think we should get serious about this. How do we do this? And how do we have a bigger impact? Because we could see it was getting us through those really rough days. It was like that thing that it was just like, okay, we're gonna cry now, we're gonna dance for a full hour, and then we're gonna feel so much better. There's so many times when I went to teach during the pandemic and I would turn on the screen and I'd be like, okay, otra clase. Okay, here we go. I don't know how this is gonna go. And you know, by the second song, I was like, yes, this is what I needed. 
I needed to move my body, but I also needed to connect with my people in my community and also be like, today feels like a hard day, but we're going to get through this and hopefully tomorrow will be a better day. And it's been a gift. We've created friendships with people from Europe, which we've never met in person, yet we've been able to have these really great connections. I think sometimes we underestimate what the power of community and movement is. Adriana and Andreina made their business official. They called it Making Waves. The line you'll find on the Making Waves website is this, community spreading joy and giving back is what motivates us. They were putting out the joy and community they'd experienced through dancing, yoga, and meditation, and trusting that it would come back to them, even at a time when they didn't always have a lot to give. I would have loved to have known about making waves during those early days of the pandemic, but even if I had, I might not have joined back then. Because even though I love to dance, I've mostly stayed away from classes like the ones that Adriana and Andreina teach, because deep down, I still felt like that little girl in the dance class, not coordinated or connected enough to her body to let myself feel free. The first time I showed up to a Making Waves class a few months ago, I almost didn't go. I'd had a really rough day, and I was sure that my lack of skill and experience would be distracting to the real dancers in the class. But almost immediately, I realized that this wasn't just any Zumba class. One of the greatest gifts Adriana, Andrina, and the other Making Waves instructors have given me is to help me understand that there's no prerequisite for showing up. I don't have to be good at dancing or have my life together. I don't have to be the best version of myself. The message in every single class that I've ever been to, both online and in person, is come as you are. It's the same message that I've tried to communicate in every single episode of Shelter in Place. Watching Adriana dance, it's hard to imagine that little girl who didn't know the steps in her ballet dance recital. But she says that even after all of these years of dancing, a part of her can still connect to that memory. Part of what makes her so passionate about making sure that people in her classes feel safe to be fully themselves is that she has to tell herself that message often. I love I love, 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 love being Latina and the Latina culture and that richness. But there's also these standards of what you need to look like and who you need to be. You know, Venezuela has this standard of what a woman should look like. And I think this expectation of always looking put together and pretty and you gotta be thin and you always gotta be like dressed up. There's this expectation that you need to look a certain way and I so don't meet those standards. Like I don't have a six pack and I'm not like a size two. I'm just Adriana who loves to dance and loves to eat. And when I'm teaching, People are like, man, she's so like secure in her body and she's so confident. There's this perception, right? Like, oh my God, she's got it all figured out and she's really good at moving her hips. While I'm teaching, yeah, but there's also struggle. I've always dealt with these insecurities of not being enough and it freaking sucks. This imposter syndrome is not fun. (sighs) I wish there was a button where I could just press and it would go away. But eso no existe. Like, it doesn't exist. You know, talk about imposter syndrome. The more and more I started doing my own classes, it's really hard. You know, when people have someone that they like, 
It's like, mm, no, I don't want to take your class. You're a little bit too cha-cha. You're a little bit too intense. You move your hips too much. I can't do it. And that has been something that I've struggled with. You want everyone to like you, right? You want everyone to come to your class. You want everyone to think that you're great. And the reality is not everyone is for everyone. I've been teaching for six years. Now it's easier for me to digest that. But at first I was like, Peter, why? Why don't people want to come to my class? What am I doing wrong? What do I need to do to appeal to them? I would tweak my classes or my dance moves and I'd be like, no, 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 ya va. Wait, I'm not being honest to myself. Like, I'm not enjoying it. And I think that's something that with my Cubanness, Latinaness, sometimes my rawness, I need to shake my hips more. I need to like woohoo and yummy it up and sing. And that is who I am. And for some people, it's like, no, 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 no. Too much singing, too much screaming, too much shaky, 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 you know? And, and now it's okay, you know? If there are smaller classes, it's okay. But the people that are there, then they're there because they like it. And it's something that I have struggled with. It's really fun to have a packed studio versus like going to a class and having five people and be like, okay, dale, let's do this. The energy is different and it's hard to not take it personal. It's hard to be like, what am I doing wrong? But I think surrounding yourself with people that see you and that want to support you in your growth is huge. You know, you don't have to be surrounded by people that make you feel bad. No, it's not necessary. And I think the more you hone into your own voice and my own yumminess, which I love, then it's like people that get you and see you and understand where you're coming from are like, yeah, I want to go to her class. And then there's some people are like, mm, no, she's not for me. And it's okay because there's Andreina or there's Talia, or there's other people and everyone's got their people. This was deeply comforting to me, to hear that my friend who seems more goddess than human to me has feelings of not being enough, just like I do. Those feelings of being both too much and not enough are deeply familiar to me. I've gotten better at accepting that not everyone will love me or my podcast or my style of teaching or coaching or writing. But it's never fun when you realize that no amount of changing yourself or your methods will make someone like you who just doesn't appreciate what you're doing. One of the gifts that podcasting has given me is that it's connected me to the parts of myself that make me, me. It's helped me find my own magic. One of the people who's helped me to understand that is Adriana. A week after we met and I mentioned offhand that I had a podcast, she sent me a video message telling me that she'd started listening to Shelter in Place and had listened to all 100 episodes of season one. She said she'd started season two, and she was in tears because of how much she was moved by it. It was the beginning of what's become a beautiful friendship. I can't count the number of times that she sent me messages like that first one, encouraging me to keep going, especially on the hard days. She's often the first person I hear from when a new episode comes out, encouraging me, cheering me on, and telling me that she can see my magic. She's seen me when I've lost my magic, too. She's heard my tears when my insecurities and discouragement have overwhelmed me, when I feel like I want to give up. Somehow, incredibly, she's able to remind me of my magic even then. It's the same encouragement that I feel in every Making Waves class that flame that reminds me of my own fire. I think ultimately, we all want to belong. You know, we all want to feel like we are enough. 
and like we are seen. We're all going through our own insecurities of not feeling enough, of not feeling like we're doing enough, like we are enough, like we're not seen or like our feelings aren't valid. And it's this daily and constant struggle and it's hard. And I think ultimately if we're able to surround ourselves with people that see us, that like really, 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 really see us. And that you can text or call and be like, man, I'm having a rough day. And that they can just, you know, text you or send you a, a video message saying like, I get it, I see you, and this is hard. <laughs> is huge it's really huge when you get to connect with people where you don't have to pretend that everything is okay where you get to be real and talk about your struggles and your insecurities yet they're there to remind you of your magic right because i really 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 believe that everyone has magic and i think most of the times 99.999 percent of the time we focus on what we're lacking, right? All that chatter, that voice that we have in our heads of just like, I'm too fat, I'm too tall, I don't have enough money, I don't have the resources, I don't have this, I don't have help, I've got too much debt, I've got too many student loans, I've got, right? But if we're, we're able to flip it and we can be like, I'm really good at connecting with people and making them feel comfortable in front of the camera. I have a lot of fun dancing and I get to host a really fun class. If everyone's able to connect to that and flip the sentence where we are reminding ourselves of our own magic. And even though I'm saying this, let me tell you, I struggle with my insecurities and my imposter syndrome. There's always that voice. <sighs> and it's hard. It feels really good to have an hour where I just get to feel amazing, like what I'm doing. When I get to dance, it's like for those 60 minutes that I am teaching, I am definitely a different version of Adriana. And it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's really good. It's like this superhero version of myself where the extra pounds or the insecurities don't exist. And I get to be like 100% myself and I get to be loud and I get to move my hips in a way that feels really, really good. And I don't need to think about anything else. I get to just be in my body. I'm just being the best version of myself. Most of the time when I'm not dancing or doing a photo session, I'm usually in my head and I'm questioning myself and I'm questioning my worth. And I think that's the one thing Sumba and dance has given me. like. The moment I'm teaching a class and I start thinking about the grocery list, I'm gonna mess up because <laughs> I'm not fully present. So it's forced me to, to be in it. I'm in the flow and it's magical and it's so, 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 so good. And I get to experience it when I'm teaching or when I'm doing a photo session. I get to just be in it. There is no insecurity, there is no self-doubt, and I'm not even thinking about it, I'm just doing. It's this power of music, of community, that, you know, it's amazing. The fact that I get to do things that I love every single day is a huge gift. It's a gift that she's trying to pass along to her two daughters, to help them find their fuego and know that they're enough. 
She thinks a lot about what they're taking from this, especially in this season of life, where she's an entrepreneur working both as a photographer and a Zumba instructor, trying to keep both businesses running in a pandemic and still be a good mom. I was having a conversation with a friend and she's a photographer and she is also doing really well. And she was saying, you know, I'm worried that I'm working so much. And I hear that, but I think we're also teaching our kids to find their voice, teaching them and showing them that their voice and their feelings and their dreams are really valid and they're really important. I teach a class on Saturday and there is this super, super cool girl that comes to dance. Ellie, if you're listening, you are amazing. Ellie and I think connect in like the power of dance and what it does. So she's been coming to my class and she teaches next to me when I'm dancing, which is amazing. So my girls and Ellie have become really close friends. So the fact that Ellie is dancing with me means that sometimes Mia and Nina join in the class. And sometimes I'm like, is it okay that I'm shaking my hips in this way in front of my girls? I was like, is this bad parenting? I don't know about this. I was like, it should be good, right? And most of the people are like, no, this is actually really important. We have this idea of what we should look like, how we should move, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And when you get to come to class and you just get to move your body, when you get to see everyone else interpret the move in their own way, oh, it's the best because then you get to really see like, oh, her guard is down. Oh yeah, she's closing her eyes. Oh yeah, she's grooving through it. Because that's it. We all bring our own fuego to class. And when we get to see that, like, oh, my fuego and your fuego are different and we can celebrate each other and we're not in competition. One is not better than the other. We're just here to support each other and we're here to have fun. You want me to support you? Dale. You want me to lift you up? Dale. I'll lift you up. I want you to grow and I want you to grow so, 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 so big. Take me on that journey. And I think we're also showing our kids, no, I'm going to move my body because it feels good. And it reminds me what it is to be me and to be in my body and be a woman. You know, the yumminess of it. So if you've ever taken my class, you understand the yumminess, but it's just like, it is so, 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 so yummy when we just shut off the brain, turn on the hips, and just do what feels right, what feels good. The more we get to connect or be in the flow or be in our bodies, then it's kind of like we're connecting to our voice. We get to set our own rules and we get to draw outside the lines and we get to create our own mold of what we want our life to look like versus following someone else's mold. Who made that mold, right? Let's create our own mold. This past Saturday, I went to that class Adriana is talking about. I knew Adriana's girls would be there too, so I convinced my two older kids to come with me. My daughter Grace is seven and it was the third time that she's come to that class with me. Even though she loves dancing around our living room, I could tell she felt shy about dancing in the class. I could see the tug of war going on with her, even as a seven-year-old. She was trying to decide if it was okay to not be perfect, if she could give herself permission to make mistakes, or miss the beat, or not know what was coming next. Maybe it was that it was Ellie's birthday, so there were other kids dancing too. When Ellie got up front to dance with Adriana, Grace got up there too. It was obvious how much fun she was having. I watched her giggle as Adriana told us all to embrace our yumminess. It still makes me giggle to say that, to even think it. And also, I love it.
you show up to class and it's kind of like we're giving you permission to just be in your body and take time for yourself. And we need that reminder, right? As working moms and wives and partners and as just people in the world, there's always this like, I need to do this and I need to show up for other people. And I need to go grocery shopping. And I need to do the laundry. And I need to cook and I need to go drop off and pick up. Da, 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 da. Where are we, right? Like we forget to nurture ourselves. It's kind of like when you're on the airplane, right? Put the oxygen mask first. People have this idea like, when I go to a dance class, I need to be a really good dancer and I need to be coordinated. I need to be that, 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 that. There's all these things that we need to be. No, 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 no. Having that empathy and compassion for others, but being able to be vulnerable, be in your body and maybe be like a little silly and a little ridiculous. What does that feel like? Oh yeah, you know, let's do this with our hips. When you just get to show up and be you, and connect to your magic or be reminded of what your magic is, is huge. The goal of my class is I just want you to leave happier than you came in. Every single person that comes to my class, that's the experience that I want them to have. There is no need to do the single, single, double perfectly or a salsa or medi no. I just want you to show up and I want you to move your body and I want you to feel good in your body and I want you to connect with your joy and I want you to smile and maybe close your eyes and leave happy. I also feel really fortunate to be surrounded by people that love me, that remind me it's okay to have a bad day. And that's another thing that my parents taught me. Between my mom and my dad, they probably know all of Venezuela, all of Miami, like they're all about making friends. And I remember them saying this, it's better to have one good friend than one million dollars. And I was like, they're crazy. What do you mean, one million dollars? One friend? No. Now as an adult in my 40s, living really far away from home, who has been able to create a family away from home, I can see the power and the truth in that sentence. It's that one friend that's gonna remind you of your worth. It's that one friend that's gonna give you a hug on a bad day. It's that one friend that's gonna pick up your kid when you can't make it to school, you know? And Andreina has been that one friend so many, so many, so many times, you know? Like I would have never dreamed that seven years ago meeting this fellow Venezuelan dance lover would take us to where we are today, having started our own company and doing the things that we're doing. We're really aware of how fortunate we are to have this community that we've been able to foster and we're able to help each other out on bad days. So part of Making Waves has been that we've recently implemented is a community of networking. We want to see everyone grow. We want to see everyone reach their dreams and go far, far, far beyond. We're trying to create and grow a community and create this sense of consciousness and wellness and just of authenticity and seeing each other through this crazy time, right? Because we're all adjusting to this new way of life. So how can we all grow? How can we support you? How can we elevate your voice? How can we spread the message that we're doing? That's ultimately what we want to do and we want to have an impact. You know, at Making Waves, a really big part of our business model is giving back to the people that are in need. And the fact that we've been able to donate $27,000 plus because of this community is huge. 
you know, we're able to help people get meals or housing or education or people that have gone through natural disasters. And it's all thanks to our community. You know, if people wouldn't show up to class or keep on sharing about making waves, this wouldn't exist. So we always say it's a collaboration and it's a community effort. When I hear Adriana talk about those early pandemic days and the business that she and Andreina created on the spot because their community needed it, because they needed it, and how even two years later, the work continues out of that original desire to connect with and bring joy to others and a time when life feels hard. I'm struck by how similar it is to our shelter-in-place origin story. While Adriana and Andreina were live streaming those first classes, I was writing and recording my first episodes, not thinking beyond the moment, but just looking for a way to connect with others and find my voice. I pushed publish the first day, and then did it the next, and the next, and the next. I had my own days of crying in the closet, feeling defeated by my failed efforts at homeschooling or stressed about money after Nate lost his job. But every day that I put my words out into the world, and especially on the days when friends or family members reached out to let me know that they were listening, it gave me courage to face another day. It still does. It kept me in the moment. It helped me to keep moving even in a time when I was stuck in my home. And on the best days, it helped me find my magic, my fire, my fuego. The Shelter in Place music was created by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions. Additional music and sound effects for this episode come from Storyblocks. Melissa Lent was an assistant audio editor for this episode. Nate Davis is our creative director, Sarah Edgel is our design director, and Melissa Lent is our project manager. Until next time, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis. And now, if you're still listening, here's a little outtake. Como incarte, como que, like, this is who I am. It's where you come from, and you don't want to get lost in the mix. You don't want to be vanilla. Well, I don't want to be vanilla for sure. I want to be like, you know, I don't know, maybe peach with a little bit of fucsia y amarillito, <laughs> you know? Chili pepper. Yeah, eso, fuego. A little bit, for sure, fuego. Fuego, fuego. I gotta move my hips to make it work. <laughs> I need the flow to be like, yes, poquito yes. de reggaeton, un poquito de salsa. This is totally going to be like some Spanglish in the... I love the... it. I love it. Fuego, fuego. Hey, Shelter in Place listeners. Recently, I met Anne-Marie, the host of Wild Precious Life, a show about making the most of the time that we have. Even in that first conversation, I felt like I was talking with an old friend. It's the same way that I feel when I listen to Wild Precious Life. I love finding and celebrating the good work that others are doing. And I hope you'll enjoy listening to Wild Precious Life as much as I have. Here's what it sounds like. What is it you want? I mean it. If you really got to choose, if you had a little magic, what would you want to do with your life? Sure, some of us would quit our jobs and see the world, climb that mountain or walk along the beach, but then what? Are there problems you would solve? I raised money for the New York Food Bank, um, and I think we raised enough for 200,000 meals. Wrongs you would make right? We will say we don't want to take care of any of these things while we're looking at the consequences of not providing those safety nets, right? COVID didn't have to be this bad. Whose forgiveness would you seek? I was reading it, I'm like, I think 
think I might be the villain of this story. I'm not on the team. In fact, I'm shaking the book hard. And I'm like, oh, no. What wounds might you heal? You know, I feel like I should just throw up a little flag here to say that one of the unacknowledged conditions of the American healthcare system is the way its bureaucracy itself is a wounding. And what are you waiting for? I feel held, I feel seen, and I feel loved. Our days may be messy or complicated or broken, but they are ours. And I think we can do better, listen harder, and love more deeply. We can find our way to something more. I'm Anne-Marie Kelly, writer, teacher, learner. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in, and connecting across distance, division, and loss. We are all hungry for those connections right now. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, entrepreneurs, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. Subscribe and follow Wild Precious Life on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and get the first episode in your feed as soon as it comes out. See you soon.